We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there. We at BlueWire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire Pods, search for us on iTunes or check out BlueWirePods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Blue Wire. Welcome to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire, presented by BetOnline.ag. I'm your host, Kyle Beduho. Quick bit of housekeeping before we get going. Uh, Today's episode, we're talking Warrior. It's one of my favorite sports movies. I've been wanting to cover it pretty much since the second I started this podcast. Dan Stupp from The Athletic joined me. The Athletic put out a top 100 sports movies list about a month ago now. Uh, go check it out. It's good reading. If you if you like this podcast, you'll love that list. The quick housekeeping notes. I'm finally going to do a listener questions episode in May. I've been promising one for a while. I think I've tweeted about it multiple times. Promise I'll finally get to it. You can send me those questions through Twitter at big underscore screen sport, Instagram at big screen sports pod, or the new big screen sports group on Facebook. You just search that. Pretty easy to find. The rest of May for right now, uh, going to be covering The Rookie, the uh, the Disney Dennis Quaid baseball movie with a special interview set up for that as well. Uh, doing a crossover episode with the guys from the baseball podcast Tipping Pitches. And then this month's non-sports movie is Pitch Perfect, so uh, get your rewatches in if, if you've been rewatching as we cover. Um, always please subscribe if you haven't, rate and review if you haven't, and tell a friend or share the pod on your socials. With that, let's talk Warrior with Dan Stop from The Athletic. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast. I'm Kyle Banduho, and today we are talking about a movie that I've wanted to cover since the day I started this podcast. Joining me to bring all the expertise I need for this episode, the managing editor for The Athletic MMA, Dan Stupp. Dan, thank you so much for joining me to uh, talk Warrior. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's, it's great to talk to a fellow sports movie buff. Yeah, no, this... Uh, I was happy you guys recently on on the athletic recently released a, a top 100 list. All the writers in the athletic chipped in. You guys formulated a list and I saw that you had, uh, you had discussed warrior in that list, but before we, we get going on warrior plug, anything you have upcoming, how are you keeping your writers entertained during this unfortunate, uh, quarantine season, black hole of sports content? 
Yeah, we obviously work for a, a really great website, The Athletic. It's a, a subscription-based website. I think it, it works well. It kind of, I think, weeds out a, a lot of fans. Um, I, I think the type of people who are going to subscribe to a sports uh, site who are going to spend a few bucks a month are probably a little more invested in the sport. So, um, you know, thankfully we've been given kind of the resources, the, the great writing staff. So, you know, even as we're kind of dealing through these uh, uncertain times, we still have a, a ton of really great MMA content coming up, uh, talking to fans, talking to fighters, really di- dipping into history. But uh, if there's one thing we've learned in, in MMA, there really is no off season, And even when there are fights going on, there is a lot of MMA going on. Well, the, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge athletic fan. I love the, th- you know, I love what you guys do. And either a week or two weeks ago from when we're recording this, you guys did sports movie week, put out that top 100 list and you guys had warrior at, at 57. Growing up, we all want to know the toughest kid in the neighborhood was right. I want to know the toughest man on the planet is that's what we're going to find out. There's this big tournament. Top 16 middleweights in the world. But when it takes all, I'm gonna need a trainer of that much you were good at. Frank, I need this. I got a family to protect. Everything I do is for them. War hero Tommy Reardon, who has become an overnight sensation, and Brandon Conlon, the physics teacher, they pulled off a miracle. You can do this. Whatever you say. I can do this. You got him! This is impossible! The two men fighting for the championship tonight are brothers! The war! Uh, Warriors, the 2011 uh, MMA drama film. The youngest son of an alcoholic former boxer returns home where he's then trained by his father for a competition in a mixed martial arts tournament, a path that puts the fighter on a collision course with his estranged older brother. Starred Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, and Nick Nolte. It was directed by sports movie god Gavin O'Connor, who also did Miracle and that new Affleck movie, The Way Back. 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, but only grossed $23.1 million domestically. It was missed by a lot of people when it dropped in, in 2011, including me. Dan, did you, did you catch it in 2011 when it actually came out? I did. It, it was obviously kind of a, a big deal in MMA circles, but I, yeah, I, I think, figured you might have. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think maybe why it kind of was a miss. I, I think MMA uh, got very big very quickly, and then almost became oversaturated too quickly. Uh, I think this movie came and kind of came out after everybody was starting to come down a bit after that initial surge of MMA popularity. And it was just unfortunate timing. Like you said, it really was a great movie and and not that there's much competition, but uh, even as far as MMA movies, this is a a great movie, just the the way they portrayed the sport and and that kind of the culture uh, of the mixed martial arts. Well, before we dive into the the mixed martial arts film culture in general, um, (laughs) too specifically, the question I asked first time guests and you said you're a sports movie fan for you. What makes a good sports movie? Um, I, I think for me, you know, a big Reds fan, uh, unfortunately a, a Bengals fan, a university of Missouri fan, but there are definitely games and moments that uh, I, I cling to as a fan that, that get me through kind of the, the rough years, the, the losing seasons. I think any movie that can kind of replicate that that same feeling you you get when you know you're watching a, a classic game or a classic moment 
uh, in your team's history, that kind of thing that sticks to you where it's not just the the drama, it's the drama of the sport itself. I, I think it's just a, a feeling that uh, other movies uh, can't kind of source from. And, and for me, uh, kind of that, that feeling of the moment and the movie, just they both kind of replicate that feeling. That's something that Gavin O'Connor, the the writer director of this one, I think that's his specialty. Like this one feels a lot like a grittier miracle in the, in the sense of the emotions it pulls out of you, and we're going to talk about that a lot. Um, for you, you you did the write up for the the top one hundred when you got you guys did War, and if you don't mind, I'm going to quote your write up. The bar is set awfully low for MMA fix. However, with fantastic acting, credible fight scenes, and a story that packs a punch, Warrior is impressive regardless of genre. For fight fans specifically, the attention to details of this fictional MMA world will be appreciated. So, Dan, with, with that, with your words, is this a Hall of Fame, all-star, starter, or benchwarmer sports film? I, I think even when it first came out, even at, through my first few viewings, um, you know, I thought it was a, a good movie. It really hadn't hit great. So for me, I think it, it took a, a little time uh, to, to fully appreciate it. So I think it would be a Hall of Famer, but maybe not first ballot. It, it takes a few years to, to really appreciate what you had with it. I agree, because I think you almost have to throw this one in with with boxing movies more. I don't think, I mean, and, and you would know better than me. I I had this question on the rundown. Are there any other good MMA movies? Is there anything that is even close to the same level as this one? I mean, you get a lot of kind of good fighting movies that, that have elements of mixed martial arts. And, and I mean, those go, you know, uh, way back years, uh, just not the, the boxing movies, but, you know, like Bloodsport and, and things like that. But uh, just in the past 10 years, we started seeing MMA specific movies. Uh, you know, I think one of the first ones was Never Back Down. Uh, then a Kevin James one, Here Comes the Boom, like uh, here comes a boom. I, I kind of hold a special place in my heart for that, just because it is kind of a, a a goofy movie. But I think they get a lot of the things right. But there's just not a lot of good MMA movies. It's kind of even just a, a newer um, genre, if you can even call it that. Uh, there, there's been some great fighting movies, um, you know, boxing or just you know, kind of old school traditional martial arts. And I, I think Warrior matches up kind of with those, but the the fact that it's kind of a trailblazer as far as being an MMA specific flick, I, I think kind of gives it, you know, some, uh, some special attention. Yeah. I'm ashamed to say that I've watched never back down more than <laughs> once. Um, it's on TV all the time. Yeah. So, uh, but the warrior is different. It, it's serious. It's, it's legitimately like the, the sport itself, like what you see on TV, what you see on pay-per-view. We actually covered blood sport in January. I consider blood sport a hall of famer just because blood sport is exactly what it is trying to be. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to be anything. It's not. It is just a Van Dam fighting in the Kumite. Um, but this one, I, I can, I, like I was saying, I kind of put warrior in with boxing movies. This one reminds me of Cinderella man a lot, like more than anything, specifically with Brendan's story. Um, you know, and, and I consider Cinderella man, a hall of fame movie. It's one of my favorite boxing movies for me. Warrior is, is kind of like that. Do you think it with the, the renewed, like the second wave of popularity of the sport, do you think that MMA has the same legs as boxing in terms of being subject matter for great movies? Because boxing is the one thing it seems like they are continually, they're still putting out boxing movies, even in kind of this last decade of sports movies. It was a little, 
that, that they're kind of going away from the typical sports movie you still had in the last 10 years there's still been like the fighter the two creed movies things like that do you see more of a future for mma movies despite you know the the lack of success for warrior when it came out i mean i, I think it could be i you know the, the good thing with boxing is it's been around forever even if you're not a boxing fan like you know boxing is part of culture you've kind of accepted it um, you know, you could make the argument and, and there's a million different ways to make it. The boxing is actually a much more violent and dangerous sport uh, than mixed martial arts. But I think to your, your general, you know, uh, ticket buyer and, and maybe someone who doesn't follow boxing or MMA, they're going to have more of an appetite for boxing than they ever will for MMA. I think, you know, there's just these pe uh, preconceived notions kind of about MMA and the brutality. And I think some people, if they hear that it's an MMA movie, they're going to react much differently than if you if you tell someone it's a boxing movie. Some of the fight scenes in this movie, if you're someone who's squeamish, are tougher to watch than any typical boxing match. I think any any movie boxing match, even something cartoonish like Rocky, that's a slugfest. Um, especially when when Tommy gets his shoulder you know popped or whatever at the end, that stuff is it's. It makes you grimace, which yeah. you don't always get with boxing. Um, let, let's go into the IMDb trivia really quick. I just pulled a few things that were were of interest to me. Um, obviously, everyone can check out the full IMDb trivia. There's there's a lot for this movie. Um, something that I thought was interesting that just kind of shows the work they put in with the actors. Joel Edgerton tours MCL in the cage during production, halting fight scenes for six weeks. Tom Hardy suffered a broken toe, broken ribs, and a broken finger. So they, um, they, they definitely got, it. and you can see like they at least put on the muscle. So it seems like they did a little bit of the, the fight leg work too. I'm sure they didn't do all of it, but they definitely got into character in that regard. Yeah. I mean, they were definitely credible. That, that was one of the th big things that stuck out. You know, there, there actually were quite a few kind of training and, and fighting scenes. And yeah, I mean, if you, you got a trained R, uh, trained eye, you could probably, point out some of the areas where they were lacking, but I mean, they were few and far between. They, they, they definitely looked and played the part. Mm -hmm. uh, Brendan Conlon may be loosely based on the life of real life USC fighter, rich ace Franklin, like the character Franklin was also a high school teacher took part in cage fights to make extra money. Is that a story that was on, is on your radar at all? Did that stick out when you watched the movie? No, absolutely. I mean, it's fun. The reason I probably am, a, I am an MMA journalist is because of Rich Franklin. I was actually working in the Cincinnati Reds front office. Uh, one of my bosses overheard me talking about mixed martial arts and that there was this UFC champion who lived in Cincinnati. He told me to call him up, have him come out and throw out a first pitch. And, and that really is kind of what sparked, you know, MMA fandom and, and made me want to cover the sport. So no, as I was watching the movie, just the, the teacher scenes and everything, it, it just, it made me think very much of Rich Franklin. Awesome. I'm really glad I included that in the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> um, Frank Grillo based his character on the famed MMA trainer, Greg Jackson. Uh, Grillo and Joel Edgerton trained and lived with Jackson in his New Mexico gym during pre-production. All of Grillo's fight scene dialogue while cornering Edgerton was suggested by Jackson. Is Jackson on your radar as well? It, it looks like it. It looks nothing like Greg Jackson. Greg Jackson, but anyone who follows the sport and watches that movie would have said that guy is supposed to be playing Greg Jackson. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, the 
an alternate opening shot at Moundsville State Prison in West Virginia, which was shot featuring Tom Hardy's character cage fighting in jail, was cut from the film. This would have, I, I included this because this would have made it kind of a completely different movie, as I'd imagine Tommy would have been fighting after being punished for going AWOL as opposed to how the movie actually ends up where that, that's what, what happens at the end of the movie. So I think that would have been a completely different story. I, I'm so glad they didn't do that. And that, that would have had the feel probably of so many of the, the straight to DVD or straight to HBO movies about MMA, about guys fighting in an underground prison fight club. You know, I, I'm, I'm so glad they did not do that. <laughs> I agree. I, I prefer the route they took. Yeah. Um, finally, Brian Callen's MMA commentator character is heavily based on Joe Rogan. Callen and Rogan are actually good friends in real life. For the longest time, I remember Joe Rogan actually being in this role. It kind of makes sense that Callen played it. When I, when we turn on the movie for rewatch, it had been a while. And for some, in my head, I was like, Oh, Joe Rogan is playing himself in this movie. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny that that, that was actually in the trivia. Yeah. And, and you know, just like following an MMA, being an MMA fan, obviously is just a, a weird thing compared to, to other sports, but it's such a serious thing and, and violent thing. Sometimes you kind of need that, that voice of levity, which Joe Rogan kind of always supplied, especially in the early years of the UFC. And, and it worked perfectly for the movie because you kind of needed that same voice to, to kind of bring you back to reality that it, it is surreal what you're watching. And he has an MMA podcast now, right? The Brian Callen, not. Yeah, he does with uh, Brendan Schaub, I believe, a, a former UFC fighter. Yeah, I just think of I, I I'll never Brian Callen will never not be uh, Eddie from The Hangover right. <laughs> for me. <laughs> um, let's get into best scene. And for this one, I usually try to keep it around like four or five scenes. That that was really tough for me with this. And yeah. you know, plot twist. There's not. I didn't keep it to four or five. Every this movie is just. Like it, it's long, but it it moves, and mm -hmm. every scene is something. Like um, the the first scene of the movie when Tommy returns to see Patty, he's he's sitting on the porch when they get there. Right away, you can see Hardy's character. He's got some pain, you know, before he goes into it. He's got that silent rage, kind of unloads on Nolte, you know, towards the end of that call before he like passes out. Um, it's just kind of like a five minute crash course on the internal motivation. Of, of Tommy, and then you can also see that Hardy's really going to go for it with that Pittsburgh Irish accent, whatever he's going for, he is <laughs> going all the way for it. Now, that was one of my favorite scenes, and I, to me, it's kind of 1A and 1B. I, I think uh, you sense that there's that that violence in him, that anger, and then the, the 1B scene is where he knocks out Mad Dog in the gym. Yeah, that's um, the next, the next yeah. one on the list for me, is that he just walks in and Beats the shit out of him. And it's so calm afterward. Like, again, as an MMA fan, you're just, you're so used to these guys like scoring a knockout or big submission win and just 
the emotions, the primal screams coming out of them. But the, the, the truly scary guys are the ones who are completely calm after something like that. And, and the fact that they kind of capture that in that scene, I, I think it really did, uh, even to MMA, you know, especially to MMA fans, just made him seem that much scarier. He's nothing but silent rage until the last fight of the movie, which mm-hmm. is very intimidating. Yeah, for sure. The The next scene I have is uh, when when Tommy shows up at the diner and asks Patty to train him. I, I included that one because it's Nolte finally hitting back a little bit. You kind of wondered is no pun intended. Is he just going to be Tommy's punching bag and just let him like, you know, just be mad at him all movie. And he kind of like hits back a little bit. He makes him hand, you know, hand him over the pills. Um, then I, I've, I've got Patty when Patty shows up at Brendan's house, when Nolte shows up, uh, it's, a, it's the first scene with Nolte and Edgerton, which is, <clears throat> is heartbreaking that cause you, Patty was probably working to, sh- you know, working up the courage to show up at his thousand day sober mark. And you don't see whatever he did to Brendan off, like on screen. You don't know how bad things were. So it's hard not to feel just like pain for him when he seizes his grandchildren through the door. Yeah, no, it's like you said, there's a lot unsaid there, but especially Nolte in in that scene, you you start to understand the gravity of that relationship. Yeah, Nolte in this movie is, I mean, we're going to talk about it. He's fantastic. (laughs) Um, Flash forward to Tommy and Brendan when they meet on the beach, the first scene between them. It's I think it's the only scene between them until... uh, until they fight. I had that one on my list too. I I didn't realize until a couple rewatches just how much you learn kind of in that scene about their background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that that's a really good one. Um, you could not include it. Brendan's first fight. I think I enjoy Brendan's fights through Sparta much more than Tommy's, just because Tommy's are each like 15 seconds. Um, you know, Brendan, when he holds on, uh, you know, he has the, the principal watching him at his house, uh, which, which is funny. Um, when, when he gets midnight to tap, it's kind of a big chill moment for me. I think the score hits harder at that point than any point of the movie so far. Um, the next scene on my list is probably, I would say the most, it's Tommy and Patty in the casino. It was Nolte's Oscar clip that year. If I'm not mistaken. I was right. I think I liked you better when you were a drunk. Well, at least you had some balls there. Not like now, tiptoeing around it. So. Beggar with your cup out. Take it somewhere else, all right? In fact, you know what? Here's a cup. Why don't you take this and go get yourself some more of your shitty tapes and you go back to the room and you listen to some more fish stories that no one gives a shit about. Now get out of here. Get the fuck out of here! Come on. Uh, when um, you know the look on his face when Tommy throws the cup of coins at him, it just it just breaks me. Yeah. It just it just completely just you, you see the regret and like you, you even see the regret in Tommy after he leaves, which is like the first the first time you see him show any remorse towards Nolte's character at all. I, I'm glad they show that too. I mean, he says. There's two or three lines in the first half of that movie where it just you want to hate him. It, there's such hateful things he says, especially like to your your father. And you needed to know that that there was some regret kind of after they they said him. And just that little that few seconds they come back to him 
kind of puts you know puts you at ease going forward. Mm-hmm. In, in kind of like we were saying earlier, it, we're in such a weird position because we haven't seen any of Nolte's transgressions. We've only seen we're only seeing this aggression at him. I mean, you got to imagine it was terrible. But at the same time, we only we only see the anger at him. Um, that scene just kind of runs into Tommy finding a relapsed Patty going harder on Moby Dick than anyone's <laughs> ever, ever listened to Moby Dick. But then Tommy, you know, cradling him as he cried, which is just Gavin O'Connor, man. He knows what he's yeah. doing. He knows how to pull the emotions. Yeah. Um, there's the Brendan versus Koba fight, which is I think it's the for me it was my favorite fight of the movie. To me, as someone who doesn't watch a ton of MMA, it didn't feel too cartoonish. What did what did you think, uh, Edgerton versus Kurt Angle? The, those are the fights as an MMA fan you remember years later. The, the the ones where you knew a guy was beat, you knew it was over, and somehow, some way, like the the wins mean a lot more when you get your ass kicked to get it. You know, it, it, you go out and win in fifteen seconds, just like you said with with Tommy's fights. It's like, yeah, there's something interesting about it and and then kind of gets your blood pumping. But when you see a guy take a butt kicking and and still get the win, uh, you know, I I still remember fights like that from 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, Those are the ones that stick with you. So did that fight come off fairly realistic to you for a movie? Yeah, and I think a big reason why was, uh, you know, the the trainer, Frank, um, who I think is stand out in this fight, you know, the Greg Jackson character. I, I think he captured so well what corners would be yelling during that situation and that, um, you know, it's not necessarily the fans in the, in the stands who, who feel the beating. It's the trainer, you know, especially knowing that they feel responsible for, for getting their fighter in that situation or not being able to, to, to talk him out of that situation, to help him work out of that situation. Um, I, I think that's where so much of the drama came from was uh, just not the fight itself, but kind of the corner reaction to it. Yeah. Cause especially Frank was very hesitant to get, uh, to get Brendan in the tournament in general. Yeah, I was going to say, kind of going back to our favorite scenes, that was one of mine really early kind of uh, in the movie that probably flew under the radar for a lot of people uh, was just when uh, Brendan goes back to Frank and says he wants him to to train him again. And then just kind of going through how it went bad the first time and how he never listened to him and that he was the one in the, in the hospital getting chewed out by his wife for letting him even be in that situation. Um, I, I'm sure Greg Jackson had a hand in that scene because I'm sure he's been through that situation. And, and as MMA fans, you, you hear about those kind of uh, fighter trainer relationship and how complicated they are. It's like a big brother, but also a teacher and a, a therapist. And, uh, you know, the, the promoter is not going to talk you out of, uh, you know, calling it a career. He's not going to tell you you're done and washed up. The fans aren't going to. Um, you know, a lot of the people who are making money off of you aren't going to. The one person who's going to do that is the trainer. And to see that dynamic early in the movie, I think, just really set the tone for that it was going to be a good MMA movie. I do a thing on this podcast sometimes when a character is – when a coach is a prominent character, I call it the, the brick wall test. You know, would you run through a brick wall to play for that guy like Denzel and Remember the Titans? Mm-hmm. I think I would run through a brick wall to fight for Frank. Mm-hmm. And no, he's, think- not, he's not rah-rah, though. But he, he's he's just very good. You, you can tell he always has his best interests at, at heart, even if he knows he's he's doing the wrong thing. 
you know, he's going to support you as much as he can, try to keep you as safe as possible. But yeah, no, he, he, he nailed that role. The last scene I have listed for, for best scene is the Brennan versus Tommy fight. There's that cool moment of silence as they rush to meet each other. I'm glad they didn't use slow-mo. Instead, they used they just cut the score yeah. for that brief moment. I thought that was much more effective. And in a, in a different kind of movie, I think they would have gone slow-mo, different kind of director style. Um, you know, Tommy letting loose with every bit of pent-up scar tissue that he has in his life. Just It's the first time you see him out of control i think you know the the shoulder pop is brutal tommy has just nothing in the world but that fight you can tell he's just completely he doesn't have a corner he doesn't it's just it's just him um when when the song plays it's called about today by the national o'connor knows what he's doing he's got your emotions in a death grip um you know brendan's pleading with tommy saying i love you it could be cheesy but in that moment it's really not you really feel every bit of that and you're all in are you awake? Yeah, I'm right here. I'm sorry, Tommy. What can I ask you? I'm sorry. Tell Tommy. It's okay. Uh, today. It's okay. How close am I? Yeah, I mean, that, that last scene, I, I was so scared that they'd use it to kind of promote the movie the right way or it would just become kind of a a, a running gag. But I, I'm glad that the, the kind of emotion of it wasn't lost, you know. Yeah, Gavin O'Connor doesn't seem to miss. He, do, he doesn't miss the mark in that. He's really, when I think about that and and the end of Miracle, the, the last scene, the, the, as the, the game's running down, yeah. like the last minute, basically, you know going into both of those movies that there's, you know in advance, there's this moment coming and he has got to make everything, all the buildup, you have to be perfectly bought in and everything's got to go just right. And this, since it wasn't, you know, he didn't have Al Michaels saying, do you believe in miracles on this one? So this had to be even more organically incredible. And he just, he he nails it. So with that being said, I'm going to make you pick because my I think my pick for best scene changes every time I read over, you know, read these over. What is your favorite scene? What do you think the best scene in this movie is? I, I go back to the one when Brendan first goes back to his trainer to, to try to f- start fighting again. I think I, I know I said it before, but it really did set the tone that this is going to be a, a, an MMA movie and an accurate and good MMA movie. Uh, but also the the brothers when they finally meet up on the beach, you know, bef- before the fights, um, you know, it, it, you start to put the pieces together for their background. But that that just kind of really laid it bare. Uh, and I mean, you're, you were invested by that point. But, uh, you know, you throw that in there and, and you've got to see how it's going to be resolved. I think it's really telling in a good sports movie where the best scenes are are not the actual sports where the sport itself the action itself is just kind of like um it, it's just like the 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 cherry on top it's yeah. really good like for me i think the best the the tommy and patty in the casino is it's heartbreaking and then it go you know the the relapse in his room that is just when i think about this movie a lot of the time i think about that scene and just how much like pain you feel when you're watching it 
And then, but then there's like the, the most exciting th- scene I think is Brennan versus Koba, but it, I, I don't think it's the best scene. It, it's tough to, I mean, this one has, this movie is really damn good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break here from our sponsors and then uh, get back to best quote. Big Screen Sports is presented by BetOnline.ag, and with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. You have a casino sitting in your quarantine apartment. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live, daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prizes, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to betonline.ag, use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, and we're back. Um, let's go, let, let's pick the best quote of this movie. Um, I have I wrote down fewer than than best scene. It's not your typical like quote heavy sports movie. This one is from that that first scene where Tommy shows up at uh, at Patty's house. So you found God, huh? That's awesome. See, mom kept calling out for him, but he wasn't around. That quote right there tells you everything you need to know about what Tommy is harboring. Yeah, that that was on my list too. That that one stuck. Out. I I remember from the first time I watched it when the the movie first came out when I hadn't rewatched it in years. But I, I knew it's like okay, that one's coming up. That it's just such a such a good line in that movie. Mm-hmm. One of the only things that made me laugh in this movie that wasn't a line from the principal was uh, when when Tommy when Patty is agreeing to train Tommy when they're kind of negotiating and he's t- telling him to give him you know give him the pills and he gives him one thing and he's says I know they're on you Tommy you sounded like a goddamn maraca coming through the door yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that had me um this one from Brendan it, it, somehow we didn't mention this one in in best scenes when Brendan's pleading with Frank to get into Sparta uh, and he says they'd have to kill me to get me out of the cage like right there it's his number one asset as a fighter pretty much as he needs this yeah, no, that that I, I love that one. And then this one, this one is my favorite. And I'm gonna ask you if I missed anything, but this is during the Koba fight. If he, uh, Frank telling Brennan, "You don't knock him out, you don't have a home. You don't knock him out, you don't have a home." Let's go, seconds out, seconds out. He's just no, hitting no. the nail on the head. The stakes of the situation. Yeah, um, it, there were some really good ones uh, kind of during the course of the tournament toward the end of the movie. And Brian Kalen's character actually had some really funny ones, too, where they're talking about Brendan was in the UFC, you know, for a little while before. And and it was something like the only thing I remember about that UFC stand was it being unmemorable, um, which so many UFC fighters kind of come and go and you never hear from them again. And. Um, I, I think it explained how kind of a, a UFC a guy who fought in the UFC you would think everybody would know could just fly under the radar because there's a hundred guys you know who who have come in and out of the UFC that that no one remembers. Yeah, he was good. And then I have to. What, what was your favorite? Was it was it that one from the Brian Kalen's one? No, it, it was probably either the, the the Morocco one or the the one where Tommy's talking about you know. So you found God, you know that's awesome. Mom kept calling out for him, but he must have been down at the mill forgiving all the drunks. You know, it's just it, it's such a biting line. Mm-hmm. 
I, I have to I have to give a, a best quote shout out to to Kevin Dunn who plays the principal. These aren't best quotes because they're not on the same emotional level as everything else. But every line he spits out in this movie is just a great crack. Like he's an incredible, recognizable face guy. I really want to talk yeah. about him during Lenny Harris. But uh, when it when he finds Brendan like after the fight, and, you know, literally it looks bad. Figuratively, it looks worse. And then he's talking about <laughs> fighting in the the strip club parking lot. This isn't moonlighting at Applebee's. Yeah. And then when he's talking about the administrator coming, guy hasn't been inside a school since 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then towards the end when the students come to him about watching the, watching the fight, so you want to use the auditorium to watch a suspended teacher engage in the behavior he was suspended for. Do I have that correct? Yeah. <laughs> he's just an incredible piece of comedic, comedic talent in this movie. There, there's just a little line too that it, it, as uh, I keep saying as an MMA fan, and I think it's because it, when unless you're really kind of in the culture of MMA, it, it's such a hard world to understand. But you know, obviously he, he's clearly upset with Brendan and, and annoyed. But then just asked him, you know, uh, that he used to fight in the UFC. He's like, oh, UFC, really? Oh, son of a bitch! Like you, you can tell as much as he wants to be pissed off, he's still so impressed by it. I think that, yeah, I think you're right in that the casual, like the casual person like me, if I, if I met someone who had ever even stepped in the cage like that, I would just be in awe of them. Cause it's, I think it's different than someone it's, you kind of get the same thing with like, oh, you put, you know, you play in the minor leagues or, you know, you, you were in an NFL training camp, like, oh, you got in the cage at any level and, you know, fought professionally. It's just a different level of, of daring. It's like being a fighter pilot. Yeah, it's not like, oh, you accomplished that or get to that. It's more, oh shit, you had the balls to do that. Like <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's kinda of, it's like um it's kinda of like being a Formula One driver. Like yeah. I've been watching Drive to Survive on Netflix recently and like those guys there's just a different level of, of daredevil in those guys. It's kind of the same thing with fighters, just a little more brawny. Yeah. So let's get into the the most and least authentic actual sports centric MMA centric parts of this movie, and this is what I I am counting on you for. What was the most authentic part of the, you know sports centric part of this movie to you? There were a few different things, but it pretty much all comes down to the movie really paying attention to the nuances of the MMA world, and it, it's so easy to kind of be undone. By even like feeding into the stereotypes or just, you know, putting stuff in there that you think people would expect. But it, it, it's kind of a double edged sword because stuff that probably to, to non fight fans that that seems just ridiculous, like uh, having a fight like a, a sanctioned fight in a strip club parking lot or a school teacher moonlighting as a fighter or a, a YouTube fight video actually getting you these opportunities to fight in a $5 million tournament. Uh, like all that stuff has happened. It does happen. That is part of the MMA world. So the fact that they could accurately depict such craziness, uh, I, I don't know if it would be a turnoff for non-fight fans who watched a movie, but for fight fans, it's like, Oh wow, they they really got this right. All the crazy stuff that that we love about this sport that they, they worked into this movie. I think the movie bought enough enough credit and portrayed itself as realistic enough to where someone like me who doesn't know right from wrong and in, in unless it's something like major that they 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 bit off enough credit to where I would believe anything that they were putting out there. That, and that's that this hard could to happen. pull off. 
and yeah. the the and the movie I thought the movie does a good job of setting up the tournament like the tournament getting set up and getting a background of how Brendan ended up in there. Mm-hmm. It's not just like oh he's you know the, he's this fighter and he was kind of being semi pro but he, he he starts fighting you know he starts training again he gets really serious at it. It's like oh no, no he he's actually got a background of fighting in UFC had some you know he had this past career he's got this motivation he's he's taking a new philosophy and how he's responding to training a guy had to get hurt he had to basically kind of beg his way in there it wasn't just they they didn't just expect us you know they didn't just put a bowl in front of our face and say hey you know eat this it'll be it'll be great they they told us why um for the least authentic i I mean i don't have it i just i have to ask about how tommy got into the tournament if this, there was a tournament going on of the 16 best i think like middleweight fighters in the world or heavyweight fighters in the world would a guy who is essentially like white kimbo slice get in i i was just gonna say this may be inside baseball but like this is exactly how a guy named sean gannon uh got into the ufc about 15 years ago was an underground video of being the first one to to beat kimbo slice like that I think he had maybe two or three pro fights, but that's all it took. And he had special billing and they were really kind of selling the event partially around this guy. He wasn't in the main event or anything, but your your typical UFC pay-per-view, you know, has five main card fights, the five fights on pay-per-view. And I think he was number two or three on there. Um, so, yeah, it, it seems crazy, but that it, it, it so much reminded me of the whole Kimbo Slice, Sean Gannon thing. So was there anything that stood out is is just not being authentic at all to you in this one? Not not a matter of it not being authentic at all. And it's such minor nitpicking. Um, But, you know, after Tommy would win, he would just immediately storm out of the cage, not stop for interviews and stuff. And I I think maybe they used to let him get away with it uh, in the UFC. But like your win is not official. You will be disqualified if the referee does not officially raise your hand while they're announcing it, uh, uh, formally announcing the winner, which, you know, part of me just kind of snickered like, Oh, they, that would never happen. They would never let him out storm out of the cage like that. Um, but again, that's such nitpicking that it, I, I really can't even fault it. I think when you get down into nitpicking in, in a sports movie, I think that's a really good place. Yeah, I think if, sure. you, if all you can do is nitpick, then a lot of a lot of good stuff has happened in this movie. I, I guess maybe I should say, too, when uh, Tommy knocked out Mad Dog early in the, the movie uh, in the gym, it would be very unlikely that a guy who has an upcoming fight, especially a top ranked guy like that, uh, would be doing full on contact sparring with the little gloves uh, you know, the MMA gloves and not using the bigger boxing gloves. And I, I, I would find it hard to believe that a trainer wouldn't have stepped in when when they were going out at 100 percent. But uh, again, nitpicking, it, it's nothing that really takes away from the movie. Mm-hmm. Because with with that, though, you have to have that scene. That, that's a thing. Like, I, I understand. I, I understand the reason for both of them storming out of the cage and, and you know, using the little gloves because it, it, it was such a pivotal part of the movie that you, you really can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into what worked, because I think there's a lot in this movie that, that worked that made it what it is. Uh, my first note is is just the acting, especially the trifecta of nolte hardy and edgerton um there's a lot of great supporting roles in in, in this one as well but the the movie is is driving off those three and um did 
I just my question for you is did those guys, especially Edgerton and Hardy, did they like when I watch baseball movies and and if you know you you worked in baseball, you can probably get this too. Certain guys there's there's a way that athletes carry themselves that might be specific to that sport. Did Edgerton and Hardy for you kind of come off that way? I, I did and and the more I thought about it, I, I think they got the mannerisms. Um, the way they talk, the way they move. But for me, it was simple, like as simple as the way they walked because MMA fighters are always injured or, have, you know, strained something or pulled something. It just looks painful when they walk. And, and there's a few different scenes where Brendan walks into his classroom and he just looks like he's aching as he's walking. And, and that little thing just made it that much more believable. Awesome. Well, what else did you have? Do you have down that that just worked about this one? And it can be sports centric, UFC centric, or just in general things that you enjoyed. I think just for a, a sports movie, the the thing that really stood out to me is you you really need an underdog in the movie. And this one could have been easy to set up where there wasn't an underdog, but the fact that uh, Brendan was kind of coming out of retirement that uh, his wife and, and even his trainer really didn't want him doing it. Um, you know, the fact that he's fighting the great Koba and, and pulling off kind of these upset wins, like y- you need that underdog to root for uh, j- just I get, not to make it just feel like a sports movie, but just to get you to buy in that much more. Well, that's one of the, the classic fight movie traits that this one kind of checks off. There, yes. There's a couple of them. There's like the fighter and financial straits. You got Rocky, Cinderella Man, um, you know that that kind of thing. Wife who's not having it, Rocky, <laughs> Cinderella Man, uh, the unique trainer with unique method, methods. Rocky, it's like it, you know, it, Frank with his Beethoven is like is like Mick making you you know pound slices of beef and catch the chicken. It's the the 2011 version of that. Um, and then yeah, and then and then the underdog. So th- this movie kind of hits every, you know, trope. There's also, you know, every, it seems like every boxing movie, every fighting movie, nearly every sports movie, you got to have a montage. And the split screen montage in this one is excellent. Like the ESPN clips are a really nice touch. It gives the movie a sense of reality that it's actually happening in the real world. Um, it shows the contrast and the training that Brendan and Tommy are, do, are doing. You, you see the improvement in Brendan. I thought the montage was really well done. Yeah, I, I at first just the the way kind of it was formatted. Uh, I remember the first time watching, I was like, "Man, this is this is going to be cheesy. This is where the movie just completely derails into cheesy." But I, the the way they cut it together, the actual content of the montage, I thought it worked super well. Mm-hmm. Um, they also bringing in. I I love when sports movies bring in actual figures from that sport they had in in one of those espn clips they had rashad evans in there sam sheridan um anthony johnson who was a fighter who he played midnight lee i just (laughs) think that that you know lends credibility to the movie when you have people around the set or in the movie they just know how to act like like they're a part of the sport i think that just i think that i i might you know i might just be like reading and i just think it comes through on film yeah, no, for sure. Um, I like the grainy filming style, especially in when it's like scenes when when Nolte and Hardy are on screen. It's re- a lot of the time it's really dreary. It's just it's grainy. It's intentional. It puts you in that underdog gritty mood. 
I, I yeah. think that's that's really effective. That's that's really well done. I have to ask you about the the whole concept of of Sparta. Is there any precedent for that tournament? Yeah, there there is, and and that is actually one of the more believable things. Um, if it, it's kind of funny that they could do the movie really without acknowledging the UFC, other than kind of a passing mention that that Brendan used to fight in the UFC. Um, but there was a time; it was actually probably when this movie came out. Um, you know, where UFC ha- didn't have kind of the control over the industry that it does now. There were some bit players. Um, uh, Strike Force was around uh, for a while, a, a short-lived one called Affliction. Um, but, I mean, there's been things that tournaments, not necessarily a $5 million tournament, um, that would that happened that, that drew some big names. But, I mean, even today, if you did a, a $5 million winner-takes-all tournament, I, I think guys would do, be doing whatever they could to get out of their UFC contracts for that chance of five million. Because I, even top five, top ten guys in the world in their weight class sometimes still fight for no more than twenty or thirty thousand dollars if they're lucky, which is just insane. I mean, there's guys who are rightful through you know, especially probably throughout the past ten years, who have been rightful number ones or number twos who are making twenty thousand a fight. Um, you know, who are going to take years off their life to make $100,000. And if you dangle $5 million in front of them, you will get the best fighters in the world. So that actually was kind of a really believable thing. The whole Sparta tournament is just a very cool kind. It's basically like Atlantic City Kumite. Yeah, it's funny. There's a all-female promotion called Invicta Fighting Championships and, and kind of some of the bigger regional promotions – if they want to stand out, if they want to get some media attention, um, they hold single night tournaments. And, and granted, in the, the movie world, uh, it was a two day tournament. Um, but still, like if you're doing something special, if you want to make a splash, you go to the tournament format. So it was kind of funny to see it in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot about um, there's just a lot about this movie that works. I think it's really well paced. I think that's why there were so many. I had so many things listed for best scene. There's really I can't think of a, a part. This is a, a long movie. It's north of two hours. I can't think of a part when it actually drags. Yeah, I mean, there's I don't think anything obvious that I would cut out of there, you know, or, or that you feel is, doesn't need to be there. Um which you don't find a lot in movies, especially sports movies, especially sports movies that run almost two and a half hours. Uh, but no, I, I think, you know, like you said, it's just kind of one great scene after another. Mm-hmm. There's just there's intent in every scene. There's not there's not any waste of time. There's also a Don Lemon cameo, which kind of blew me out of the water. <laughs> Don Lemon is who announces gives gives Tommy the best case scenario for going AWOL. He also hasn't aged a day. It's been nearly 10 years since this movie <laughs> came out, which is. Which is wild. Before we move into what didn't work, did you have anything else really notable that that did work for you? I, I think one of the the smaller things, and I, just the conflicts of interest that you find in it, in MMA. And granted, it wouldn't necessarily lead to you fighting, you know, your brother, but uh, you know, just kind of Brendan being in the right place at the right time when a teammate got injured and had to pull out of the tournament, and then trying to get you know their trainer to put him in. Uh, even the possibility of fighting a relative or a, a former teammate, like stuff like that happens all the time in MMA. So, uh, again, looking at it through the eyes of an MMA fan, that was one more cool thing to, to, to see in the movie. As far as what didn't work, I have much less on my notes. Was there anything glaring for you that, that just didn't didn't track? 
I mean, again, we're nitpicking here, but when Tommy's playing the slot machines and quarters are actually coming out and he's pulling the arm on the slot machine, which no one does these days, um, that, that bothered me a little. But again, <laughs> we're, we're nitpicking now. Um, I, I just said, would a doctor have stopped the Tommy Brendan fight when Brendan clearly has, or uh, Tommy has no use of one of his arms and it's very apparent? Sadly, no, because I think that happened literally just about six or seven weeks ago in a fight where uh, the the fighter clearly quit using the arm, even complained to the corner. The doctor even checked her out and, and the fight continued. That is that is wild. The, the, the doctors honestly serve zero purpose at MMA events. They're not going to use a doctor if it's someone who's actually going to stop an important fight for a legit reason. Um, I mean, they're, they're window dressing at, at most MMA events. So again, sadly, that was very accurate. Anything I have for what didn't work is, is also nitpicky. I've got questions about Tommy going AWOL. Um, uh, the yeah. soldier who recognizes him off that grainy night vision, <laughs> that's a stretch. I, the only thing that like I could kind of, uh, reconcile it in my head is that, you know, the army and, and Marines, they have a kind of combatives programs, a lot of hand to hand training where again, if you spend enough time training with someone, especially if he fought before and was a wrestler, you would almost recognize him more from the way his body's moving or, or the build of his body more so than his face. So, and, and again, he had a lot of tattoos, so maybe that stuck out, but again, you know, for a, a 2011 era, uh, web video, it probably wasn't the best quality. So that was a miraculous, you know, ability to, to recognize somebody. I'm also not sure how you get out of Iraq and back to the States without, without getting caught, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not going to dive into that. Um, uh, Brendan's wife, Tess, she goes from the pretty much the stereotypical boxing movie wife. I'm not going to watch you fight, not going to watch you get hurt to I'm going to show up to watch you fight the scariest dude on the planet. And that takes one day. I mean, part of me is like, now she's realizing that, wow, they're really close to a $5 million payday. But she didn't seem like that type. I, you know, we, we've kind of seen it just in the fight game where wives show up to fights and they're the most loud and, and exuberant people cage side to ones that, that are watching the fight through the fingers as they have their, have their, their faces covered. And, and we've seen him go from people who don't watch the fights to cage side back home. So I don't know, maybe that change of heart, you know, there, there's some precedent for it, but I think for the average viewer, yeah, maybe that did stick out a bit. My last thing that I'm not sure this didn't work, but I just have to ask Tommy's fights. Can that happen? Cause I think he doesn't have a fight that goes longer than 30 seconds for his first few fights in the film, especially when he gets to, to Sparta, like his first fight is one punch that that to me seemed just a tad unrealistic that's i mean like i the the only ufc fight that i definitely watched in the last year was that or this year was the um the mcgregor fight that was very very quick it was very reminiscent of of one of these tommy bouts but would it, when he's just fighting repeatedly and and the guys he's fighting know like oh hey he's going to ambush me and try to kill me in in 20 seconds do you see that actually going as it did there's been some precedent for it in history. There was a, a heavyweight fighter 10 or 15 years ago, came up through the UFC, uh, a, a huge heavyweight, just a, a scary looking dude, uh, Shane, Shane Carwin. And I think he won his first 10 fights. Granted, most of them were out of the UFC, but 
Uh, I think he won his first 10 fights in like 70 seconds or less. Uh, there's been a few Brazilian guys who strung together recently three or four UFC wins where they were all first round or within the first few minutes. But, I, you know, a, a tournament like that with what are supposed to be the, the 16 greatest middleweights, it, part of me is like, well, maybe they just psyched themselves out because they saw this video. But if they were that easily psyched out, they wouldn't be one of the best 16 fighters in the world. So, yeah, I mean, that was a bit of a stretch. Okay, so... With that, let's get into the Kevin Costner and Freddie Prince Jr. awards for best and worst on-screen <laughs> athlete. Um, for you know which which actor looked like the best athlete or most realistic coach. For do, do you have a pick? I'm not. I'm going to abstain because I'm not the I'm not the person who can decide that. Do you? Is there someone who stood out as being extremely realistic or even or not so much? I think in this movie, there's probably not anyone who's not so much. I was going to say one that, that stood out for a few different reasons was actually the guy who played Mad Dog, um, because that actually was a former MMA fighter who fought for uh, the WEC and, and Strike Force, which was two of the bigger promotions outside of the UFC. His name was Eric Apple. And obviously you needed a guy who moved and, and fought like a real fighter. Uh, he, he definitely looked and, and moved like a legit fighter, but it, to me, it was kind of funny. I, I don't think maybe it was intentional. Another reason he was so believable was when he's doing interviews or trying to talk trash. It, it felt a little forced, and that was probably because he's a fighter, not so much an actor. But we've seen so many MMA fighters try to cut a promo and sell a pay-per-view with this really bad trash talk that, uh, I don't know, from the fighting to kind of the, the bad trash talk, he just, he just really uh, felt like a legit fighter. That's got to be a blow to the ego a little bit when you're actually a, a pro fighter. And it's like, hey, you're going to be in this MMA movie, but you're going to get your ass murdered twice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and by the same guy and, and everything. But I don't know. He, he Looking back at Eric, probably the most he ever made for a fight was five or $6,000. So he probably made his career earnings with getting his butt kicked on, on film. So It's probably uh, an easier paycheck. And a much easier paycheck. <laughs> Let's go to the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. I've got a few nominations. Uh, Kevin Dunn is Principal Zito. Incredible. He's just an incredible, recognizable face guy. He's an unstoppable. He's in Transformers. Um, you never know his name when you see him, but you know his face. If you watch Veep, like, so his character is very uh, similar to the one he plays on Veep, and, and, I, and I love that guy. There's Frank Gillo. Grillo is Frank Campana, who was the the unique, who's Brendan's trainer using Beethoven. Uh, Maximiliano Hernandez is Colt Boyd, who owns the gym that Tommy trains in. I, I know him as the uh, the guy, the agent from the Americans. Uh, Jennifer Morrison is Tess Conlon, Brendan's wife. We don't we haven't really talked about her much. They don't give her a lot to do besides be the scared wife. She does she does a great job with it, but it's really it's slim pickings for her. Honestly, yeah. there's, they, they didn't, this movie's not about her. Um, Gavin O'Connor is JJ Riley, the guy who put Sparta together. And then Kurt Angle is Koba. Who's basically stout <laughs> Ivan Drago. Yeah. The entrance with that incredible, that Russian song is just really good. And here comes the great Russian Koba. Koba is so intimidating. Well, his reputation is larger than life. I want you to look right at him when he comes in here. Look right at him. All right? Don't take your eyes off. 
Uh, who was your? Did I miss anyone? Did I did I did I forget to mention someone? Kurt Angle is a good one too because his character was like heavily like you would you you know that they're trying to make him out to be Fedor Emelianenko, uh, a famed Russian uh, MMA heavyweight. Um, I, I thought he played that part really well. There were two, or actually one other one that really stuck out to me. And, and granted, it wasn't so much acting, but John Anik, he's the, the host of the MMA TV show that they keep going to. Um, he played himself. Uh, he was an ESPN TV host at the time. He's actually now uh, on the UFC commentary team. But you kind of needed that voice from the MMA world to, to, as an MMA fan to make it feel more believable. And he plays just kind of such a good straight man, uh, play-by-play guy, ESP, you know, former ESPN host. So, yeah, I mean, an ESPN host playing a, an ESPN host maybe isn't that big of a stretch. But I, I thought he, he really nailed his role and, and brought the – he didn't sound like he was acting, which I guess is the best thing I can say about him. Well, that being said, who's your your Lenny Harris award? Who's your best supporting character in this movie? I, I love Kevin Dunn as Principal Zito so much. It's just he's not even one of the main ones, but just the the, the way he delivers his lines, the the facial expressions, uh, he crushed it. Uh, but Frank Grillo too as the trainer. Uh, he like you said, he, he trained with Great Jack or worked with Great Jackson, one of the great trainers in our sport. I, I think it definitely paid off. And, I, you know, Frank Grillo actually has, plays a trainer uh, in a TV series, an MMA TV series called Kingdom. Uh, so I think he was just born to play the role of an MMA trainer. I think he was excellent. With apologies to him, I think Kevin Dunn is also my pick. I, yeah. think, he, I think he's fantastic. Let's get to my favorite category of, of every podcast, the big chill. And the, the big chill is the, the moment in a sports movie, the one that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Um, Gavin O'Connor, Miracle is like the ultimate big chill sports movie. There's f- like 50 moments in Miracle uh, when Mike Ruzioni, you know says he plays for the United States of America, when he scores the game-winning goal. So he had a lot of a lot of expectation going into this movie to make as many big chill moments. I think he got there. Uh, I have Brendan's the the list. I have Brendan's first walkout in Sparta with Ode to Joy playing. Yeah. He's playing like softly in the locker room, and Frank makes him say, "You know, I can do this." And then he walks out. That got me. That goes into him when he taps out midnight. It's like, okay, Brendan can actually compete. That I think that was big because he in, in the beginning he holds on he doesn't he doesn't tap. Um, there's Tommy walking out to the Marines hymn when they're they're singing, which I think is in just incredible incredible touch. No, I, we have the same exact list. I mean, it, it was uh, the the midnight fight, especially when he was saved by the bell in the first round and and held on. An- another reason I like that scene is. Um, you know, uh, the trainer, Frank, had told him earlier that Brendan never listened to him when he, he previously fought. And that's how that fight was going. Or, or you know, the, the tournament was he just wasn't listening to him again. And when he finally did, uh, y- you could feel it turning. Like, you, you felt like Brendan actually had a chance to, to win this thing, even though he was still going to be a huge underdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, Tommy walking out to the Marines. And I keep going back to that initial Mad Dog scene where Tommy knocks him out. But that just, that for me, awesome. really set the tone for the movie and, and really made it feel special. Yeah, there's the one when Brendan taps Koba, too. I mean, it's, it's yeah. pretty much anytime Brendan wins a fight. Um, and then I don't, I don't know. I must have missed putting this on best quote. But when when Callan is 
is talking about, you know, we've just learned that the two men fighting are brothers. And it's the line that was in the trailer. It's the thing you know is coming. But the movie has built up so much to this that when he says it, it's incredible. And and you've almost forgotten about it because there's so much other kind of drama to that tournament that when it comes out, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot they're brothers or, or that most people don't know they're brothers. And that goes into it basically goes right into Tommy's kind of final walkout of the you know, the cameras just mostly on Hardy's face. The Marines are still singing despite, you know, the news about Tommy going AWOL, the crowds going crazy. And then the last one is and and this I think is the power of this movement. We kind of talked about it is when Brendan is telling Tommy that he loves him and to tap out and the embrace as they they leave the ring, you know, big brother finally taking care of little brother, Nolte smiling, walking away. Just goddamn you, Gavin O'Connor. Like it is <laughs> that scene in a worse movie, that scene, you're just like, that was so cheesy. And you watch this movie and you're just like, you're blown away, you're stuck to your chair. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, like you said, that thing could have so easily been cheesy and in the wrong hands, especially being at, you know, the, the movie scene or the, the movie poster scene that, you know, that, that you saw in a lot of the posters and stuff, but it, that could have gone wrong so easily, but man, it was done so well. What is your big chill moment? If you had to pick one. I, I, I mean, the, it's hard to top the, the ending. It's hard to top some of the scenes. Like it feels like almost every Nick Nolte one, uh, scene has some of that, but honestly, for me, it probably is when when Brendan beats Midnight, and you can just you you understand that he's now listening to the trainer. He, he's that you know one more uh, step closer, not only to to the five million dollars, but fighting his brother. Like to me, that's where it really kind of hit the climax of the movie, or, or when you were you knew you were really building to the big payoff. Brandon Cullen is going to be right here. Very, very dangerous position. Ooh, and he's in big trouble. I, I don't think he has anywhere to go. Got it. Got it. Slow down. You got it. You got it. And this isn't happening. This isn't happening. This can't happen. It just did burn. I think you're right. Um, initially, like if before I had done my rewatch, I would have just set off memory that it's the end. Then, you know, when Brendan gets Tommy to tap, but I really think it is that because the score hits and it, it takes the movie to a second level. And I don't think you get a bigger chill moment than that. You get a lot in the next hour or the next 45 minutes, but not, not as that high. Yeah. Um, wrapping up with the last few questions, you know, would this, if this had happened in real life, would this make a good 30 for 30 or like a good narrative podcast? Cause that's a, you know, that's a big thing now. I'm going to say yes. If the, if it, two brothers had actually, I mean, I think this would be an incredible, you know, 30 for 30 or documentary. Yeah. I mean, they would have to play up that, you know, it's too weird not to be true or, you know, a, a brother actually fought a like, you would have to play into kind of the the absurdity, you know, of the whole concept. But yeah, absolutely, it, it could work. Mm -hmm. um, how to improve this one? I right away, I, I don't have anything um, sports wise. You know, you can tell me this movie was exactly what it needed to be. 
Um, there's not really fat to trim off of it. It's over two hours, but it's all, like we said, it's got intent. It, it paces well. Maybe you give Jennifer Morrison more to do than just yeah. being scared wife, but I, I don't have anything. I, I really don't either. I mean, the only thing to, to maybe uh, tie it a little more into reality would just be explaining some of the issues. Um, you, you know, the, the the fight promotions really kind of pull, uh, push around the state athletic commissions who regulate these events. Um, you know, they're supposed to be kind of protecting the fighters from themselves, but a lot of times, you know, it's whatever's in the promoter's best interest. So to fight four times in 24 hours would be really, really hard to pull off. Even the the few tournaments they do now uh, where fighters are, are fighting multiple times in a night, uh, each fight has to be limited to one or two rounds instead of three rounds. Um, if you get a bad cut that is going to easily bat, open back up, they won't clear you for the next fight because they're not going to risk that cut getting worse. Um, I, I think there, you could have squeezed a little more drama out of these guys uh, just trying to get a, approved to continue in the tournament and, and dealing kind of with regulatory issues like that. But I, th- there's enough drama. You, you really didn't need that. Yeah, there's not really, you know, th- this one is pretty good as is. Um, final category before more restore, would you rather see a prequel sequel or remake? I feel like a prequel is a really dark movie because it's essentially about an alcoholic father, father raising a wrestling prodigy. Um, sequel Tommy's going to prison. I don't, uh, I don't know how much there remake this movie's nine years old. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's an opportunity for any of these. I, I, well, the fight promoter in me says we definitely have to do a sequel because the rematches always make a lot more money. Um, so when Tommy and Brendan fight again, we're going to make a ton of money on pay-per-view. But I, I honestly would be very excited if they did a prequel, but maybe it focuses specifically on Brendan's first career or his initial career when he flamed out of the UFC I think that's where the wife could have a much more um, or, or, or rounder story and, and really kind of round out her character. Uh, that's what, you know, covering this sport for 15 years, we, we've seen a lot of those uh, talks from family and, and trainers that have come way too late after guys are already shot where you can tell they're dealing with CTE and, and brain damage. Um, and, and that's a very real thing for families to have to try to stop someone when that's the only thing they know, the only, uh, you know, livelihood that they have, or, or, you know, like these $5 million tournaments, you keep telling yourself you're just one payday away from being set for life. So I think if you were going to do any of it, kind of doing a prequel, focusing on Brendan's, uh, the, the first half of his career or the first iteration of his career, uh, there could be a lot there to mine from. Well, on that subject, is there, are there any MMA stories that you'd like to see made as movie? Anything that comes to mind of like the, hey, why don't we have a movie about this? Or since the sport in, in terms of popularity is still compared to, to other sports is kind of in its infancy. Do you see any sort of like, I feel like a Chuck Liddell by, you know, movie is, is going to happen at some point. Yeah, I, it, it's just so many of these stories aren't happy when they're over. And I think Chuck is probably one of the, the bigger success stories just because he, he was able to get a big payday before kind of, uh, you know, his time in the sport was up and 
And he's had some other ventures, you know, business and, and acting and things. He got to be uh, an entourage. He the, got the, to be an American entourage. Dream. It doesn't get any bigger than that. Um, but, you know, I think we're also, I, I, I almost hate to say it, but you can tell he's dealing with some brain stuff just, you know, from, from too many fights and, and getting punched too much. And you start, you know, just like old boxers, which, you know, you, you don't see those in the movies too much. You don't see those. Um, you know, I think the fighter did a good job of kind of talking about, you know, guys who were shot or, or punch drunk. Um, I, I think we're going to have a lot of that in, in MMA. So I think any story that that could, you know, be a movie, there, there's always going to be some really sad parts to it because there aren't many guys who leave this sport with money or their health and especially both. Well, I'm glad they made this movie. There's not many MMA movies, like you said in your in your piece on the athletic and your bit on the athletic. The bar is set awfully low for MMA fix flicks, but this one is fantastic. Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to talk. Where can the folks follow you and find your work? I am on uh, Twitter, Dan Stup, two ends and Dan, two P's and stop. But uh, more than anything, come check us out at the athletic, uh, especially the MMA section. We have a 90-day free trial going on. See if you like it. But if you like good sports writing, if you like good storytelling, we really do have the best writers out there. And our MMA team, especially the writers, it's just an embarrassment of riches. I work with the most talented writers, uh, I think, not only in our sport, but in all of sports. And, and you'll get your money's worth. Come check us out. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I also I, I think very highly of the the writer, the MLB writers of The Athletic, uh, especially former guest of this podcast, Keith Law. So everyone go check that out. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate, leave a review, uh, new episodes every Monday. Also, if you are a baseball fan, please remember, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm presented by Baseball America. That comes at you every Tuesday talking to former high school signees about their journey through pro ball. Until then, we'll catch you next Monday. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.